Friends, this evening we will sing All is Calm. Uh, Drew, Evan, thank you for introducing calm and peace into the service of worship. Friends, good morning. It is good to be together. Welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this, not Christmas Eve yet, fourth Sunday of Advent. Christmas Eve starts at noon. Anyway, <laughs> worship-wise, good to be together in God's house. Welcome to those of you in the room. We know, as always, many more joining us online. It's good to worship God together in this way. As I look around, I've met some of you before the service even. You're visiting with us. We are so honored that you have come, and we hope that you'll come back. We'd love to uh, get some contact information, reach out, see if we can support to you. If you'd like to get engaged here or whatever, that would be great. Uh, my name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. Grateful to be together. As Dr. Howard mentioned, we welcome you. There are several ways in which you can kind of let us know how we can connect with you and pray for you. For those of us in person, there's the physical hospitality pass at the end of your pews. There's the QR code at the back of your bulletin that you can use your smartphone with. Those of us online, there's a little link that you can click on. Let us know who you are, how we can pray for, and to share ministries of our church with you as we journey together in faith. As we've already mentioned, uh, we have Christmas Eve services that's starting at 1230 today. We have six more services after our 11 o'clock. I see, I don't know why you're laughing. It's going to be great. It's amazing. Uh, we hope to see all of you uh, back with us. And next Sunday is New Year's Eve. We have two services, both here. It's a blended service at 945 and 11 o'clock, so please take note of that. It is always good to be together. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship. seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light his light shined. Light this candle in light.
please remain standing as we confess our Christian faith and the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed as printed in our bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, a maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The goodness of God calls God's people toward confession, for as we confess our sins, our God is gracious to forgive and to renew. I invite you to turn to our bulletin as we confess together. Let us join in one voice. Wonderful counselor, we lay our foolishness and brokenness at your feet. Guide us into your wisdom, mighty God. Our pride and quest for power cause more harm than good. Open our hearts to your strength and weakness. Everlasting Father, forgive us for straying far from our home with you. Restore our kinship with you, O God. Prince of peace, conflict, fear, and rancor plague us. Let us believe your promises and gifts of peace. O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet still sinners. God proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
The Old Testament is Isaiah, chapter 40, beginning with the first verse. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her inequity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those that are with young. This is the word of God for the people of God. This text from Isaiah, so eloquent, uh, so moving, so hopeful, perfect for this uh, season. I love this season. I love this place. I love uh, all that we do here. I love this day. Uh, you laughed when Uyan said we had all those additional services coming today. You can laugh. You don't have to be here for all of them. <laughs> you don't get to be here for all of them, I should say. It's just such a wonderful day, and uh, I absolutely uh, love it. Uh, the Isaiah text, um, you know, I get a little PTSD, I think, when I hear that comfort ye, because uh, if you know Handel's Messiah, kind of the spotlight solo is... This tenor stands up and sings, Comfort Ye. It's so wonderful. When I was in the ninth grade, my um, chorus teacher, Mrs. Griffin, announced uh, auditions for that solo. And I thought, I would so love to be that soloist. I would love that glory, even as a ninth grader. I wanted to get the attention and be in the limelight. Uh, I had an enemy uh, against me, though, in that audition. I think it's called Adolescence. Uh, God was changing my voice even then into a baritone or a bass, and so I shrieked out a couple of notes, and some of the other guys trying out snickered. So I get PTSD when I hear, comfort ye. Comfort. 
Uh, I wonder if somebody snickered in the crowd when Isaiah stood up to the uh, exiles. They'd given up all hope in God. I mean, they could not have been at a lower point in their history, and the prophet says, God says, comfort. <laughs> I mean, did they laugh? Like, that's not even possible. Comfort. Was there comfort for Israel? Yes, yes, there was. In 945, Dr. Yan Kim preached a, a glorious uh, sermon, and he spoke in there, and I could see everybody's uh, hearts focused on what he was saying when he said, for many of us, this is the first Christmas. It's the first Christmas without your spouse that you've been married to for many years. Your first Christmas, maybe without a child. Your first Christmas without a job. Your first Christmas without, fill in, fill in the blank. Although truth be told, Uyan, sometimes it's the 19th Christmas without someone and the ache is still there. Is there comfort? Yes. There is comfort uh, with God. God can reach down and heal and touch. When we don't even think it's working, when we think, gosh, I'm really hurting, God's comfort has raised us above where we certainly would be on our own. Uh, there's so much there. I uh, Thinking about this comfort thing, uh, last Sunday night I was at the, um, our uh, love feast, and uh, we had several eloquent talks from some of our high school seniors, a couple of them I see down here. Emily uh, gave a wonderful talk. Shelby gave a wonderful talk. Shelby's uh, actually, when I heard her talking, I thought, dang, she's saying what I was going to say <laughs> on Sunday. So I emailed Shelby this week and said, send me your talk, I'll, I'll repeat it on Sunday. I'm going to repeat some of it today because it was so good. I love what she wrote. She wrote, I feel comfortable here. But then I paused and thought, is it good to feel comfortable? In some ways, yes. I know that this church is a safe place. I know I will receive support here. And I have deep connections with other followers of God. We as Christians know that we are unconditionally safe and welcomed in God's arms. However, the immense comfort and familiarity that this church provides can also hinder us if we are not actively seeking God, sharing his word with others. In our modern society, I think it's easier than ever to brush off God's voice and be timid in our beliefs. We see injustices every day, but we think someone else has that covered. There's no need for me to provide. We hear about ways to get involved and volunteer in the community. We think we're too busy to help. Someone else will do it. I've learned that leaving my comfort zone is a good thing. From reading my Bible, I understand that God can call us to do impossibly uncomfortable things. What's the old saying? Uh, God sent prophets to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. We're not always good at parsing which one of those we are at any given point in time. I think about Mary. Mary, in all of her paintings and sculptures, she looks so placid, so peaceful. Uh, good Lord, if uh, Jesus was actually born on the night of the 24th of December, uh, by this uh, hour of the day, she would have been profoundly uncomfortable. She would have been in the early throes of pain and agony, even some fear back in those days. They had no antibiotics. A lot of women died in childbirth. God asked her to do something that was profoundly uncomfortable, namely let God take on flesh in her life and come into the world, which is what God asked of each one of us. Uh, during this season, this is the last one we've been covering, this uh, title that Isaiah 9 says, that God, as Isaiah says, God's promise comes in this child that is about to be born. It's going to be a boy, and his name will be 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and then today we come to Prince of Peace. As soon as that old boy was born, he was already a prince. He's just a baby, couldn't do anything yet. Princes are always that way, right? Princes aren't kings yet, but there's a promise in the prince. It's an already but not yet. That's how peace always is for us. Like, it never quite dawns, does it? Like, it's coming, we're hoping for it, but it hasn't quite come yet. It's always a princely, a little prince in a way. Peace. The Romans in those days bragged of bringing peace to the world, the Pax Romana. That's not peace. The Romans brought peace at the edge of a sword. They threatened you with their regiments, so you didn't dare step out of line. That's not peace. In the Middle East now, people are praying for a ceasefire, which might be a good thing, but a ceasefire is not peace. You've been bickering with your spouse. If you just stop hollering at each other, there's still some stuff that's wrong there that you haven't dealt with just yet. Sometimes peace seems absolutely impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. And snicker if you would like. That's the message of the Bible. Uh, Isaiah 9 has a sibling, Isaiah chapter 11, where the prophet describes what it's going to be like when God finally does bring this peace. It's shocking. It says, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. Like, that just doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> The wolf will dwell, with, will dwell with the lamb. The leopard will dwell with the kid. And then here's the really crazy one. A nursing child, a nursing, that's pretty young, a nursing child shall play over the hole of a snake. I mean, if your little infant has crawled to the hole of a snake, get him out of there in a hurry. But Isaiah says when God's peace dawns, a child could do even that. Strangest verse in the whole Bible is in Isaiah 11. It says, a little child shall lead them. A little child shall lead them. Snicker, please. How ridiculous. A little child shall lead them. How does that work? The Bible does this all the time. How could a little child be a leader? It, it plays out several ways. You know, one is easier to think about than the other. Uh, we went to, um, uh, Dr. Hugh Floyd traveled in one of my groups recently and uh, asked him what he was reading. He was reading George Eliot's Silas Marner. That's one of those books that I think, uh, you know, it's a, it was assigned to me, I think, in the ninth grade. You're in the ninth grade, you have no clue what Silas Marner is about. You've got to get some years on you. You have to suffer some losses and then Silas, right, Hugh? We got some years on us here, don't we? Yeah. So in Silas Marner, it's the story of this guy. He's a miser. You know this. He's a weaver. He's a, he's a miser. And he loses all his money. And he's so distraught because his whole life is about accumulating money. There's nothing else to his life than accumulating money. So he loses it, and he's desolate. But one day he comes home to his little cottage, and he's got his candle. And he looks, and he sees something on the floor. And he thinks it's the gold at first, like it's shining. It's the color of gold. But as George Eliot writes, Marner found there, instead of hard coin, soft curls on his floor. It was a sleeping child. He had a dreamy feeling that this child was somehow a message come to him from a far-off life. It stirred old quiverings of tenderness, old impressions of awe at the presentiment of some power presiding over his life. We older human beings feel a certain awe in the presence of a little child, 
such as we feel before some quiet majesty or beauty in earth or sky. Marner took the little girl on his lap, trembling with an emotion mysterious to himself at something unknown dawning on his life. He could only have said that the child was come instead of the gold or that the gold had turned into this child. This child, whom he named Epi, loved sunshine, sounds, every other thing in God's world. The gold had asked that he should sit weaving longer and longer, deafened to all things except the monotony of his loom. But Epi called him away from his weaving and made him think all its pauses a holiday, reawakening his senses with her fresh life, warming him into joy because she had joy. A little child shall lead them. There's always an epi if you go looking for one who can awaken joy in you because they have joy. But there's a second way that a little child can lead. And it's harder to talk about. Sometimes we need the leadership of the small, vulnerable one. I haven't really uh, tested this out, but I've paid attention for a little while. Uh, if you see any, um, anything, an online post, a commercial, or whatever, the people that are uh, pushing gun rights, yes, we have absolute right to guns, automatic weapons, and so on. You never see them sitting like with a toddler. Oh, there's a toddler. We need automatic weapons. I'm not trying to answer a gun right question, but what if you put a child in the equation? Sometimes the lack of peace, as I mentioned earlier, can be in the thick of a marriage. And what usually happens in a marriage is when couples fight, they do it behind closed doors. They have harsh whispers hoping the children won't hear. Lisa's here, so I'll tell this. One time, Sarah was, I don't know, maybe three, and we'd gone to the beach, and I have no idea what we got in a tussle about, and I was kind of like, I was really wrong, I'm sure, you know, but I was saying this to my wife, and I looked and had no idea. Sarah was standing right there, and I looked down. I was so embarrassed that I'd argued in front of my child, and then she promptly threw up on the floor. <laughs> what were we fighting about? I had no idea. We're not going to do it again. <laughs> A little child shall lead them. A little child shall lead them. Some of those people have affairs. I learned about one this week. It's so heartbreaking. But if you took a child with you everywhere, that actually would not happen. Right. And I heard a story uh, recently about a grown woman in our church, and she narrated the story that when she was a little girl, my father-in-law, who we're grieving right now. I mean, you, some of you who know me know this. He died on October 18th. It's our first Christmas uh, without him. Uh, but he was, he was her pastor when she was a little girl, and her parents had separated. And uh, at the end of the service, she came up to the altar rail and was kneeling and praying. And she just remembered that he came over to her and took her hand. Still remembers that gesture after all these years. A little child shall lead them. Here's where it really plays out right now. I've been preparing for a program I'm going to do talk I'm going to do here on January the 3rd uh, on Gaza, Gaza and God, Gaza and the Bible. It's hard to think about what's going on in Gaza this time of year. I, I can't avoid it. I've been getting messages all this week uh, from uh, friends that I have who live in the Holy Land, <laughs> Jewish friends wishing 
me and Lisa, Merry Christmas. Uh, my closest friend there has attended two funerals uh, of friends who were killed in that original assault by Hamas. It's just a terrible situation, and what intrigues me is when they give the death count, which is another thing to talk about, grossly uneven at this point, the 1,200 Israeli deaths, uh, it's a terrible number, but then in Gaza, we now have passed 20,000 deaths. That's something to talk about another day, but I like it that we number the children. Of the 1,200 Israelis who were killed in the initial assault, 36 were children. 36 children, and in Gaza, 20,000 people have died, 8,000 of them children. If you go to Yad Vashem in Jerusalem, when you go to the children's memorial, they're just reading out loud the names of children that were killed in the Holocaust. There are 1.5 million of them. It takes three months to read all the names. And the question is, how many children is too many? And the answer is one, <clears throat> is too many. So what if a little child would lead? I thought about who, who gathers at the peace table. Henry Kissinger died recently. He was sort of a famous diplomat trying to make peace. As best I can tell, when you see people gather around the peace table, it's a bunch of grumpy old men, isn't it? It's always a bunch of grumpy old men. I think they should have the children come and negotiate peace. And then I started saying, but the children are not there. But actually, the children are there. When the grumpy old men gather and say, we can't meet, make peace, so let's bomb the smithereens out of Gaza, the children are very much at the table. They are the holy innocents who suffer because of the inability of the grumpy old men to make peace. Peace. Why do I bring all of this up? It's what going, is going on in God's world. It's what's going on in God's heart. It's what's going on for all of us. There's a lack of peace. There's something that is awry. We, we want to be comforted and we need comfort, and then at the same time, we need to be made uncomfortable. We need to care about the things that God cares about. We need to do whatever little bit that we can do to try to make peace. And friends, it's always a little child that will show us the way. Not the grumpy old men. Well, when God said, I want them to know me, he sent a little child. You can't fight with a little child. You can only love. You can't be hard with a little child. You can only be gentle. God invites us to be gentle. God invites us to love. God invites us to be people of peace. It's not a ceasefire. <laughs> it's love. It's reconciliation. And friends, peace will be because it is God's way. God will eventually have God's way. God will eventually redeem all things. Why should we not try to participate in it now? In God's full time, the wolf will dwell with the lamb. <laughs> a child can play over the hole of a snake. Israelis and Palestinians will be the brothers that they truly are in God's heart one day. All of our divisions and rancor within our country where people just still just are so annoyed with one another, even within families. I heard somebody the other day saying, I'm not going to see my cousins this Christmas because of our political divisions. 
in God's heart, we are one. In God's heart, there will be peace. So I was just to pray, to hope, to follow the little ones.
Please join me in prayer. Holy God, may your spirit rest upon us as it was with the prophet Isaiah. As your people, you have called us to proclaim the good news to all people. Help us to tend to the brokenhearted, to work together for freedom for all people, and help us to shine light for all those who walk in darkness. May our lives reflect your abundant grace, almighty God. Lord, in your mercy. King of kings and Lord of lords, we pray for our world, that there might be justice, mercy, and peace for all of creation. Be present with your church, O Lord, as we respond to your call Open our eyes to see the world as you see the world. And holy God, we pray for children. We pray for the children everywhere. God, may they feel loved. May they feel cared for. May they be protected. Oh God, help us to make good decisions using your wisdom so that we can be reminded of the tenderness and of the goodness that lies in all people. God, give us the courage to follow you. Fill us with your compassion. Lord, in your mercy. Everlasting Father, we call to mind those who are struggling. For all of those who suffer, who are sick, who are hurting. For anyone who feels alone. May your presence wrap around them. You know our hearts, O oh God. You know our worries. We lift them up to you now. Comfort us all, O oh God, and help us to comfort one another in your love. Lord, in your mercy. God of promise, you have given a child to lead us. You have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Help us to receive this gift once again so that we may go into the world filled with renewed hope. And so now we join our voices with the confidence of your children to say the prayer that you taught us saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, as we come to our offering, I would remind you that a huge amount of our income, the majority of our income, comes in in the last month of the year. Know that your gifts are needed, and they are transformative. They enable us to do God's work in the world. I mean, what a great investment for whatever God has given you. So, friends, let us give and give generously.
holy God, take these gifts and multiply them so that all the world may know of your comfort and of your love. Dear God, thank you for the gifts of shelter, warmth, and security. We ask your blessings on the residents of McCreesh Place who receive these gifts through housing. We are grateful for the volunteers who provide meals and fellowship each month. We ask for your love to be shown in all that we do. Amen. of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore. 